and celebrate the goodness of God and to be encouraged as well as challenged uh, by his word. And uh, we're looking forward to Sunday, looking forward to the weekend and been back in the presence of the Lord and you want to be in the house. It's going to be a great time. But we're so thankful tonight that you're here. Uh, I'm just going to dive in. I usually don't do Wednesday nights, but uh, Brother Jade, he and his family's on vacation, so they, we're quite all right with that. And uh, and uh, but we'll everybody will be back in their normal routine. Maybe this coming Sunday. Looking forward to having everybody home. But tonight, if you want to stand for the reading of the word, I know you just sat down, but if you'll stand and turn to the book of John, the book of John, chapter number three. Uh, I'm going to take a couple passages of scripture tonight and uh, I really, really would love to preach this message tonight, but I really am going to try to teach this message tonight, so I don't know how well I'll do it trying to do that, Uh, but uh, I I believe that it's important uh, that we have ears to hear tonight and at the very beginning of this message, I, I want us all to have this understanding that it is God's desire as well as his plan for you to walk in blessing. You understand that? He's not a God that is trying to be heavy-handed with anyone. When he brings correction into our lives, it's out of love. And it is so that we can develop and grow into more mature believers where we can walk in a deeper manner with him. So he is not looking to be a hard taskmaster. So tonight, I don't want you to take what I'm saying uh, in a manner where you perceive that to be the case. But uh, I am going to speak firm with us tonight, but in love tonight, okay? Uh, And it's not to do anything other than I believe that God wants us to understand that there's more uh, for where we are. And uh, if the Lord would help me for a few moments tonight, I'm going to teach, preach, whatever you want to call it tonight, uh, on a call to follow, a call to follow. But we're going to begin in John chapter 3. I'm going to read the first nine verses of John chapter 3 with you. And then you may put your finger over in Mark chapter 10. And I want to read a few passages of scripture from there. And we're going to look at two different stories, and then we're going to dive into this thing and just allow the Holy Spirit to lead us together tonight. John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. If you have your Bibles with you, if not, it'll be on the screens behind us. And here we go. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus. Tell your neighbor, says he came to Jesus. Oh, that was weak. Tell their neighbor again that he came to Jesus. There you go. You are awake. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Now let us go to Mark chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 46 through verse number 52. It says, and they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples as well as a multitude of people. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, set, a, set by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Tell your neighbor he came to Jesus. There you go. We're getting there. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. For a few moments, I want to take these two passages of scripture and talk to you for a little bit tonight about a call to follow. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and its anointing. We thank you for your precious people in the house of the Lord tonight as well as those that's joining us by way of internet this evening. Lord, I pray that you would just speak through us for a few moments tonight. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive and we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord tonight. Let me say today that there is a great difference between coming to Jesus and following Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about for a few moments this evening. We see in these two stories, we see that there is two men with similar stories, meaning this, that they both came to Jesus. Anybody in this room came to Jesus? Amen. I believe we have. The difference, however, is very visible due to the decisions that they made upon having their encounter with Christ. We know the invitation to come to Christ has been given to every man. If you read actually in Acts 2 and 21 as well as Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, they simply say this, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many knows this? God will receive everybody. Doesn't matter. I, I know the enemy tries to tell you you've went too far, you've sinned too much, you fell down too many times, and this and that. But how many knows that he is faithful to those that will call upon him? But that's where it begins. That isn't where it ends. And tonight, when we begin to look at this, I want you to understand that Matthew chapter 11 and 28, he simply says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's not a possible or a could be, but that's an absolute. His word is forever established. His word simply says, if you'll come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. That is a promise. How many knows tonight that when you look at this, if you just stopped right there, you could say, okay, I'll just come to him and all of my problems is going to go away, right? But he didn't stop there. He kept speaking. And that's why it's important for us when we read that we really read the Bible, that we just don't cherry pick a few verses, but we have to take the message in the whole context. And notice what he says in verse 29 and 30. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's simply saying is this, yes, come to me and you can have rest, but when you come to me, you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. Either you have to accept me, you have to accept my ways, and you have to begin to go through the process of joining with me. And how many knows what a yoke is in here? Y'all are going to show your age if you raise your hands. The young people say, what in the world is a yoke? If I knew I was going to preach tonight, because I, I didn't know if I was actually speaking tonight, because I thought maybe one of the young in, uh, men was, was going to and wasn't able to do it. So I, I was studying this week, and this is what the Lord had been speaking. But if I had more time, I would have went and uh, I would have found a, a, an old yoke, and I, I'd have probably yoked some of you young people. So y'all are probably lucky that I didn't have more time. But, you know, when you start talking about, when you start looking, in the history of America especially, uh, you know, you'll find that the, the old mule uh, and uh, the, the old livestock would be yoked together. And the reason for that is because there was a unison. There was a working together that had to take place in order for there to be anything accomplished. And how many knows that the word of the Lord is very clear. Jesus is simply saying, come unto me, absolutely. But after you come, you have to make a decision that you're going to follow me. Meaning you're going to walk with me. You're going, to be, you're going to be connected to me. Now, it is not enough just to come. Now, I know that may be shocking to some of us, but there is this ideal that if we can just get people to Jesus, everything will be okay. Anybody ever heard that? Well, if we can just get them to Jesus, everybody, everybody's going to be all right. I, I'm sorry to inform you tonight, that isn't correct. Now, I wish it was. But it isn't correct because of the simple fact God has given us a will. We have a free will. We can choose to do what we will. He will never force us to follow him. And it doesn't matter how many times we take somebody to Jesus. They are going to have to make a decision to follow him. Now stay with me. Yes, in his presence is fullness. We know that according to scripture. What does that look like? What does that mean? Not only is there fullness of joy in his presence, but when you're in the presence of God, it means this, that light is present, so therefore darkness has been dispelled. So that means this, there is a fullness of healing. There's a fullness of deliverance. There's a fullness of, of peace and rest and joy. There, there's nothing lacking in his presence. However, in order for humanity... To walk in that realm, they must choose not only to come to Jesus, but they have to choose to follow Jesus. I wonder, do I have any followers of Jesus in the house tonight? John chapter 12, verse 26, notice what it says. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. 
Now, that's a good place to get excited. But you have to understand what Jesus is really saying in John 12. He's simply saying, if any man serve me, meaning this, if any man makes a decision that he's going to be part of me, then he's going to have to make the decision to follow me. He says, let him follow me. And he says, where I am, there shall my servant be. So that means this. We have to ask ourselves this question. If Jesus was walking in the natural today, where would he be spending his time? Now, we may have multiple answers, but I will tell you today that in a society that is drunk on entertainment, that is drunk on self-pleasure, I don't think he'd be hanging out where we'd be hanging out a lot of the times because we have gotten to a place where we're so entitled. If Jesus was walking in the natural, I can tell you where he would still be. He would still be amongst the sinner. He would still be amongst the hurting. He would still be amongst the widow. He would still be amongst the one that is upside down. And the thing is, he's saying, if you're going to follow me, then my servant must be present where I'm present. And therefore, I have to tell you this. Even though he's not here in the natural form, he is still here in the spirit form. And he is still going from place to place to place to minister to the needs of the people. So the question is, how well are we really following him? Because we have gotten really good in our society today about coming to Jesus, but we're not doing so well at following Jesus. Because can I tell you, our definition of following Christ is coming to church on Sunday. Our definition is coming to a conference or a revival service or a midweek teaching. Oh, we are following Jesus. Can I tell you, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to discourage you from coming to the house of God, so please don't, don't take what I'm saying tonight in that manner. It is good for us to be here today, but this is not following Jesus. This is coming to Jesus. This is where it begins. And when we come to Jesus and we sit at his feet, we are edified and we are equipped. And therefore, we are equipped and edified to go and to be his hands and feet outside the walls of this building. Because can I tell you, yes, he moves in here. But can I tell you this, before a sinner ever gets here, God's already been pricking their heart and the convicting power of God has already been ministering to men and women in the midst of their place uh, where they're just trying to make it. And if we was with him, it might not take so long for them to get here on their own. Luke chapter 9, 23 through 26, notice with me. It says, and he said to them, if any man, tell, say any man, if any man will come after me, now this is a hard one. This is a hard one to swallow, so if you cough and get choked, it's okay. Let him deny himself. Now, that's hard for us. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me read it again. And he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what a man is advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. What he's simply saying is this. It's one thing for you to come to my house and come to me. 
like Nicodemus did and talk to me. But it's something totally different for the world to see you following and walking with me. Notice Nicodemus, he was was pure in his arrival in John chapter 3. He understood and acknowledged that, man, there's something unique and different about you. You're definitely from God. But he begins to ask this conversation. He's simply saying, what is it? And the Lord was simply telling him, listen, you're going to have to change everything in your life and you're going to have to come follow me. But Nicodemus tried to come to a natural intellectual understanding of the conversation. Because of that, he simply left, simply saying, how in the world can these things be? But when you read in Mark chapter number 10, where we read, blind Bartimaeus had heard of the same man. But when he came to Jesus, he did not come to him looking at an intellectual end, but he came in faith in what he had heard. And notice when he came, he said, I need you to do something for me. And the Lord simply said, because of your faith, you're going to receive your sight. And then notice, the Lord said to him, he says, go your way. But what did Nicodemus do? He simply said, I'm not leaving you, man. I was blind, but now I can see. I'm not going anywhere else, but I'm going to follow you. Now, the difference is both of them came, but only one chose to follow. The one that had natural sight continued to live in darkness. But the one that had no natural sight began to walk not just in a light and in a vision state in the natural, but he began to have spiritual vision because of the simple fact he chose to follow Jesus. There's a call today that is going forth in this hour in which we live. We do not serve a God that sits and does nothing. He is continually moving. He is continually reaching, which means we are to be a reflection of him. If you and I are going to testify that he is the Lord of our life, that we have surrendered our lives to him, then our life does not belong to us. Paul simply said this. He said, you have been bought with the price. You belong to another. How many knows that if he owns us, not in an oppressing manner, but if he is the one that is the controller of our life, then we have to follow him because how many knows he is the head and the rest of the body operates according to the movement of the, of the head. Can I tell you that in order for us to walk in harmony, in order for us to walk in the power and the blessings and the favor of God, we are going to have to choose to follow him and not man. I'm sorry to inform us tonight that coming to church isn't following Jesus. It's instrumental. It's important. But coming to church is just part of the coming to him. The following today is what takes place outside these walls. And the life that you live tonight, I want to ask these questions. The life you live, is it a life that is wetting the appetite of others for Jesus? I want us to really pause and ask ourselves that question. Is our life filled with salt that is causing those around us to become thirsty for the Christ that we tell them that we love. May I ask this question? How bright of a light are we in the midst of the darkness that is covering the earth today? Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16 tells us this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing 
but to be cast out and to be trotted under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but put it on a candlestick. And if it giveth light unto all that are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." I want to ask us the question tonight, it's very thought-provoking, and it isn't to degrade us at all, but it is to equip us in the manner of thinking that, you know what, maybe we have to go to a higher place, because today, how, how light is it around us? How thirsty are people becoming around us? And is our land, talking about the place that we're living our, uh, is our land, our home, our family, is it preserved? Because how many know salt preserves? You know, back in the day, they didn't have freezers and refrigerations like we have, but they would have uh, old houses that was out built, little, little, uh, little shenanigans really just built out there, and they would hang their meat in it, and they'd rub it all down with salt, and, and it would preserve it, Right? And the only reason that meat was preserved was because the salt that was present. I wonder why is it that the home of the Christian is in such disarray that you can't tell it any different than the family of the world? It tells me that there's a missing ingredient. I'm not saying that because you follow Christ, everything's going to be altogether lovely. But I will tell you this, that when you are a follower of Christ, your home and your family are to, uh, are to mirror Christ and what he calls for us to live. His Bible, this Bible hasn't changed. Be ye holy for I am holy. That means this, our lives are lives of standards. Our lives are lives that brings glory and honor to God. That means this, you should not walk into my house and experience the same environment that you do when you walk into your friend's house that's not saved. It means that my land should have been preserved by the salt that is present. That means this, when the enemy tries to bring things in, it can't stay there because of the simple fact the salt is present. Notice with me, but in our culture today, everything is almost mirrored exactly the same when you look at the life of the Christian and the life of the unsaved. It is not acceptable, my friend, because the simple fact we have a generation that has been led to believe, as long as I come to Jesus, I'm good. I could not tell you how many times that we've talked to individuals and they'll say this, well, I, I prayed when I was eight years old, I'm good. Really? I want you to understand, I'm thankful that you prayed when you was eight years old. I'm thankful you prayed when you was 18. I'm grateful, I'm grateful you played when you was 28, 38, 48, 58. I'm not going any further because y'all get mad. But I'm just saying that some of, it doesn't matter what age. What matters is that you begin to make the decision to follow Jesus. You and I today have to realize that it's not enough just to come. Notice, I believe much of the issues that's plaguing the, this generation that is identifying as Christians is the result of them not being taught that there is requirements of Scripture. 
This is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not legalism. But this is getting people to understand you have got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, it means that you're in conversation with him. It means he's speaking into your life. Uh, and he's going to be depositing things into your life as a father uh, that is teaching you and developing you and keeping you safe. And therefore, he's not going to let everything be present in your life because he's simply saying, if you're following me, uh, then I need you to walk with me and I need to depart some things into your life. Uh, and therefore, we get to a place of understanding. We get to a place of spiritual revelation. And therefore, our lives begin to grow and mature. And can I tell you, but now we have a, a, an acceptance. Well, I came to Jesus. Uh, but listen, coming to him is not enough. I'll show you that in scripture in just a moment. People have come to Jesus throughout generations and they still live lives of misery. And the reason for that is because that they would not submit to him and they would not accept the plans that he has for their life. Paul was not writing to unbelievers when he wrote the letter to Corinth, but he was writing to the church. When he was writing then to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I've quoted this verse throughout the years so much you all, should, you all should be able to probably quote it from memory. But in verse 14 through verse 18, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Bella, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. But notice this, verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What he's simply saying is this. I've got wonderful things for you. I've got wonderful things for you. I've got increase for your life. But you've got to make a decision. You came to me. I'm living and dwelling there. But I can't do any mighty work in your life unless you make the choice to follow me. He says, you have to come out from among them. Can I tell you, you can't walk two paths at the same time. Please hear me. Church, please understand. There is no excuse that will stand in the presence of our God when we stand before him. And all of us will stand before him. Please hear me, Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 29. These are the words of Christ. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. That should help all of you ladies real easy. Debbie put on, I couldn't tell you how many outfits on, first of the week. And then she finally ended up driving down. She says, does this look all right? I said, you look beautiful. She said, I've had the awfulest time today. I said, what's the matter? And I said, wasn't you supposed to be gone 30 minutes ago? And she said, yeah, I was, but I've changed clothes so many times because nothing really looked right. Y'all sweating things that really don't need to sweat, I'm telling you. She says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Or, see, I can say that because she's not here tonight, but if she watches this, I'll be in trouble. So... Nor yet your bodies what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, get this, the fowls of the air, 
For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And ye not much be- are ye not much better than them? Which of you, by taking a thought, can add one cubit unto a statue? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. But he goes on, verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we be clothed with? But for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Which takes me to verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, And help your neighbor and say all. All these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If we seek him first, please hear me tonight. It is clear that our lives will be lives that are following Christ. We will not be so upside down and so disturbed by the natural things of our life. We have buildings that are full on Sunday morning across America. People come all across America roughly around the same time. And they will lift their hands. They will lift their voice. Some will wave flags. Some will dance down the aisle. Some will even let tears fall from their eyes. Some will even have a heart that is turned towards him and they actually say words such as, Lord, I love you. They come to Jesus. But here's the problem. They just stop by for a visit to make themselves feel well. And then in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, They walk out the doors they walked in, and once again, they refuse to answer the call to follow. And know what happens? Monday through Saturday, their life is filled with anxieties and uncertainty and upheaval of all sorts, and they just don't know how they're going to make it. And it's all the result of really, don't throw anything at me, but it's all the result of self-inflicting wounds that they bring upon themselves because we know better than what his word says. I don't really have to do all that. I'm okay where I'm at. Please hear me tonight. We are not okay if we are not following Jesus I don't care if grandma shouted. I don't even care if you spoke in tongues when you prayed Sunday morning. I don't care if you felt goosebumps. I'm here to tell you tonight there's more than coming to Jesus. We have a generation that comes to the house of God on Sunday, young and old alike, 
They dance in his presence. They shout in his presence. They cry in his presence. They feel a touch of his presence. But yet nobody disciples them and tells them, you know what? I'm all for education. I'm all for career paths. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a missionary. I get that. Everybody needs to work in their platform that God gives them. But when you go to your place of employment, you better be a voice that is following Jesus and being the light and the salt in that area. Please hear me. We have to be different. We can't walk like the world, talk like the world, and act like the world, then come back on Sunday and come to his presence and expect him to bless us. Please hear me. I I, I want you to hear my heart tonight. But there is a generation dancing and shouting on Sunday, but they're going to hell when they die. Because they've been led to believe, as long as I come to his presence, I'm good. We're not good unless we sell out. We're not good unless we follow him. Notice with me tonight. Matthew 10, 37 and 38. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. How many miles have you carried your cross this week? I know about right now y'all are wishing Jade was preaching to you tonight. That's okay. Please hear me. Verse 39 of that same chapter in Matthew chapter 10, it says, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Listen, we got a generation saying, Oh, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And what they realize is that what they don't realize is they're losing it, losing it, and losing it. You and I today need to understand this is really, really important. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. But listen, you ain't going to receive a prophet unless you're following after the Lord. When you start walking out their principles of God, notice we have to come to this place and realize we are serving somebody today. We're either serving Christ or we're serving our adversary. Does it matter how many times we come to the house of God? But what matters is what have we turned our heart to? What have we turned our life to? Matthew 6, 24 and 25, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? I ask you today, What is leading and dictating how you live your life? What's leading and dictating how I live my life? I just had a conversation with Debbie this week, and as we were setting, it was actually on Sunday afternoon, and and she was like, I'm tired. And I said, I'm tired. Let's just be honest and real. And and But at the same time, I was like, I'm at a place in my life that I have to just figure out how to work while I'm tired because I realize that I don't have too many Tootsie Rolls left in my jar. So if I'm going to do something, I've got to do it now. Now, I can't do what Ron wants to do, but I have to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, I don't want to follow my ideal. I don't want to follow the ideals of men, but Lord, I want to follow what is your plan for my life? 
And it goes back to Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All this other stuff will be added to us. Listen, young and old alike this evening, I want us to realize uh, that there is only true freedom, true deliverance, uh, true joy, true peace in the life of a man or a woman when they make the decision to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you you don't have to go to work. That's not what I'm saying. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Please hear me. That's what the Bible says. But I want you to understand that he has to be the priority of our life. And as men and women of faith, it's not enough for us to accept the fact uh, that it's not been a real truth of the gospel. Just come to Jesus and everything will be well. No, come to Jesus, surrender your life, and then choose to follow him and then watch things change in your life. I hear people say all the time, Lord, I, I'm, I'm doing what I, I, what I know to do. I come to church. Uh, uh, listen, uh, I read my Bible. Yes, uh, uh, that's wonderful. You need to to do those things, but what are you doing when he puts something in your, in your heart? Are you responding to it? Are we touching the world around us? What's that mean? And I'm not talking about, and please don't be offended by this if you do it. We have gotten into a society today that thinks this, that they're doing the work of the Lord if they pay it forward. Now, by all means, pay it forward. Buy somebody's lunch. Do whatever. Listen, that's wonderful. But that's just where things began. I'm talking about when are you making yourself available to serve in whatever capacity God wants you to serve in? Do you realize we have a broken society today all around us? Somebody's son, somebody's daughter is on the brink of destruction tonight. And the church is all around them. But yet, we have settled to just come to Jesus Instead of follow Jesus. His spirit is flowing and moving. But how many knows his spirit needs some hands and feet to be attached to it? And those hands and feet are not out there, but they're in here. And we must go to where they are and we must begin to make a difference. How do you know this to be true, you may ask? Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to bring this to a close because I want you all to come back on Sunday. Disclaimer, I'm not preaching Sunday, so maybe you won't have to deal with this. But Luke chapter 9, verse 57. It says, And it come to pass that as they went in the way, this is Jesus and his disciples, that a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. And Jesus said, because before I read the rest of this, let me ask the question, how many is willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads? All right. Okay. Now, I hope you don't back up on what you just said because this is what Jesus said unto him. The one that said, I'll go wherever you go, Lord. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. He said, don't, don't be bogged down by the things of the world is what he's saying. And another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said this unto him. This is where we have to be very careful. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit 
for the kingdom of God. Now, I know that sounds really hard and harsh, but it isn't meant to be. What he's simply saying is this. Simply saying, I need you to be committed to the cause. Don't be distracted. Please hear me, moms and dads in this room tonight. Your children will never have an appetite for the things in God for the things of God unless they see you following him. Doesn't matter how many times you come to him. They will never have an appetite for it until you begin to follow him. Because when you follow him, you will live totally different than those that just come to him. We have a society today that is so concerned about being everybody's friend. But listen, I'm not looking for enemies by any stretch of the imagination. But I know this, that if I'm going to follow Jesus, it's not going to be accepted by everybody. And actually the flesh is going to rebel against it. So that means even your little beautiful boys and girls that you love so much, when you start giving them godly counsel and advice and say, we don't do that in our home, guess what? The flesh is going to raise up against it. But listen, you still have to stand your ground and say, in this house, this is a house that follows Jesus. You missed a good place to shout right there. Now that's sometimes puts you at odds with your children. Right? But at the same time, we don't want to be at odds at our children just to be odd, but we have to stand for what is truth. Because can I tell you, if we are not steadfast and if we are not consistent and if we're not been the godly example, then we know this, the kingdom of darkness is consistent and it is continually bombarding them day after day after day. And listen, we have to raise a standard up against that. And if we are not following Jesus, then our homes will be homes where things make entry in that is not of God. And then we will come to church on Sunday and say, God, I need you to do something in my home. I need you to move. And God says, well, I'm going to minister to you. But once again, I'm asking you, will you follow me? And you say, Lord, I just want to come to you. He says, no, I want you to follow me. And no, but Lord, I just want to come to you. But no, I want you to follow me. And, And it's this back and forth and back and forth. And then you get up and you walk out and say, man, I feel better. Lord, I felt the presence of the Lord. Uh, But yet you go back and you're still in that struggle. Listen, there is no real freedom until you make the decision to follow. And when you follow, you never walk alone. But when you choose to follow, he says, where I am, there you are. He says, if you choose to follow me, he said, my servant will be where I am. Get this. What is God? What is Christ? What do, we, what do we reference him as? Is he a God of darkness? No. He's a God of light. So wherever he is, there is light. So if I'm following him and I'm doing the things that he's asked me to do in his word and I've committed my life to him, it doesn't mean that I don't go through dark times, but it means this. When I get to those dark seasons, he's there with me and darkness begins to be turned to light. And therefore, in the midst of hopelessness, hope comes. In the midst of uncertainty, certainty comes. In the midst of just upheaval, peace begins to come because I'm walking with him. I'm following him. And he says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, but I'll be with you always, even to the end. But listen, we have to choose to follow. So I ask you today, are you answering the call 
to follow. Now, as we get ready to bring this to a close tonight, when you make the decision to follow, not everybody will understand because it means this, everything begins to change and takes on new things. Listen, it's wonderful to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan. I'll just tell you this, I like to have plans, but my plan seems like they always get changed because God always is doing something. And I've learned this, that his ways is higher than our ways. His plans is different than our plans. And therefore, we have to be sensitive and we have to be willing to change. Listen, God does not want you to walk in defeat, but he wants you to walk in power and blessing and the favor of God. If you read Matthew chapter 5, there's a whole list. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. You and I can walk with blessing. But if you really want to walk into the blessings of God, you and I are going to have to make the decision to not just come to him, but we're going to have to choose to follow him. This is the tragic thing that I'm seeing today. If, Maddie, you come and just play something softly. One of the things that's so disturbing that I see today, and I've had the privilege to be a lot of places, But the most disturbing thing and one of the weightiest things that I see is when I see a generation that is full of life and zeal, full of youth, full of talent and ability. And they come to God and they get into the presence of God and you see the joy and you see the peace and the rest that they're experiencing in that moment. But yet, They've never really been taught what it is to follow Jesus. And they walk out and they just get overwhelmed by life. I see so many people struggle with joy and self-worth and it's all the result of simply not understanding what it really is to follow Jesus. You can dance and twirl in this altar on Sunday morning. Have at it. But it does very little good for you if you choose to walk in rebellion to the things of God. When God says, I want your home to be a godly home, when he says, I want your marriage to be a godly marriage. When he says, I, I don't want you to do that anymore, but I want to put you over here and I want you to go this way. And you say, but I've worked all my life for this. But God says, no, I think I want to touch you over here and do this. Listen. One of the biggest struggles that we have as human beings is this, is changing when God says change. Because all of us like to do the same thing whether we believe it or not. We don't like, we struggle with change for the most part. And we think we got this figured out, but then God comes along and says, do this. And it's like, Lord, I don't know. That's, that's way bigger than me. And Lord, I don't even have that, in, but I'm changing you. I'm developing you. I'm maturing you. So I want you to follow me here. This is not something that I've just read in a book, but this is a life that I've lived. 
and I see where my footsteps have been and I see the people that I've met and I've seen things develop and happen that is so much larger and I stand in awe and I can only trace it back to the fact that when I just didn't settle for coming to Jesus but I made the decision to follow Jesus and that wasn't just an overnight deal to be very honest with you yes I thought I was following and yes I started saying yes but then he began to ask for more of me and more of me and more of me and then I had to make some hard life decisions when you have a wife and two young children and you're leaving good paying job with benefits and climbing corporate ladder and God says I don't think that's going to you're not going to do this much longer son do you trust me and I'm like well yeah I trust you but then it's a little different when you go and you clean out a desk and you and you take everything off that you've been doing for all of those years and but I was following him and it didn't make any sense in the natural it it didn't add up mathematically it didn't look feasible but now I look back and I see the hand of God the hand of God the hand of God and it was because I did not settle for just coming to Jesus that I chose to follow him. Folks, I need you to understand that right now the United States of America and the nations of the world, they don't need somebody to come to Jesus. They need somebody to follow Jesus. I, 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 don't, need, I don't need a mom and a dad just to come to Jesus. I need a mom and dad to decide to follow Jesus so that a generation can empower their generation that God has given them to walk with the power and the authority of God. Please hear me. I pray you hear my heart tonight. It means we take our hands off and say, God, every bit of me belongs to you. Whatever that looks like. Am I willing? Am I willing to close the business down and clean my hands and say, okay, God, I'm going to go into training. Lord, teach me, train me for the next six months, and then I'm going to go wherever you say go. You say, that's radical. No, I know people that was in their 60s that decided that, you know what, I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to go to the mission field. So they sold everything. Go to Texas, learn a foreign language, and then go to the mission field. You say, that is absolutely insane. No, it's just called following Jesus. But can I tell you, not everybody needs to go to a foreign land. Some of us just need to go back to our house and say, we're going to follow Jesus in this house. We just need to go to the workplace in our community and say, you know what? This workplace, this business is going to be a business that glorifies God. And we're going to honor him. And let the atmosphere begin to be toxic in such a manner that when people walk in, they say, man, there's something different here. Can I tell you, in the generations before us, there's a lot of people that got healed in the deli aisle. A lot of people got healed at the local supermarket, the local gas station, because the church was actively following Jesus. Please hear me. Yes, let's come to Jesus. But let's make the decision to follow Jesus as we stand all over the house tonight.
Oh, we love you, Jesus. Nicodemus came, but he left. And he said, how can these things be? How can it be? But Bartimaeus came, said, oh Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna put my faith in you. I'm gonna believe in you. God touched him. The Lord said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. But then Bartimaeus, he followed Jesus in the way. Tonight I wonder, can you truly, truly say that you're following Jesus? Can I truly say I'm following Jesus? What's that look like for us? For each one of us, it looks a little different. I understand that, but the concept is the same in all of our lives. He's simply saying, come. And he's saying, don't be distracted. Don't try to figure it all out before, but just put your hand to this plow and let's move forward and trust me. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you'll follow him, you will not be disappointed. I had a meeting on Monday with some individuals and we was able to sit and celebrate because in Armenia with the help of others those that we work with with Brother Bobby Mills and his organization we was able to celebrate together the fact that was able to purchase a very nice Mercedes Sprinter van that'll be turned, has been turned in, been filled and equipped with dental clinic, uh, equipment that'll begin to serve those people that have no ability in many regions of Armenia. How, that's just one example of what happens when somebody says, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. Don't know how, don't know how it all looks and what it looks like, but you began to hear and see stories and a footprint begins to be made across the globe. And it all begins with just somebody saying yes. Today your life begins to be changed when you simply say yes. Yes, I'll follow. They used to sing a song, where he leads, I will follow. I'm just encouraging you. I'm not questioning your salvation tonight, so please don't interpret what I'm saying tonight in that manner. But I'm saying this, let us not be deceived by an enemy that says, well, if you just come to Jesus, it's enough. It's not enough. We have to be a, a life that is completely sold out. It's willing to follow after him. And no matter what he asks, small, large, doesn't matter. We must be willing to go and to do.
I wonder tonight, are we really following? Every head bowed just for a moment tonight, if you would. I just feel the sweetness of the Lord in this room and I want to say something to some of you. Maybe this isn't for all of you, but I feel like it's for some of you in this room tonight. The first thing I want you to hear is this, that Jesus loves you. He really, really loves you. He has wonderful plans for you. He's not trying to oppress you. He's not trying to serve as a dictator in your life. No, he's just saying, I, I want you to come to me, but then I want you to make the decision to yoke up with me, to join with me, because I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to guide you. One of the most amazing things about a yoke that I want you to hear tonight is this, that in the natural it was not uncommon to see this big, large, strong mule in one yoke. And then another beast a little bit smaller and less effective and less strong to be yoked beside it. Because the simple fact was, knew this, the little one couldn't do it by itself. But if it was yoked together with the one that was strong and powerful... Things could get turned over. Things could get done. He's asking you to join up with him and to follow him because he wants to carry the weight. He doesn't want you to do it. That's why he says, come unto me all you that are heavy laden and, uh, and I will give you rest. What he's simply saying is if you'll put my yoke on and if you'll learn of me, he says, I'll teach you, I'll guide you, I'll lead you to the place that you need to be. So tonight I want you to know he loves you. And he's not condemning you. And I'm grateful that you've come to Jesus. But I feel like I need to tell some of you tonight it's time for you to start following Jesus. Because you've longed for his presence. You've longed for the blessing. You've longed for him to show himself mightily in a greater scale in your life. But he's not been able to move in the manner you even wanted him to move. Because you've not yet chosen to follow. But when you follow, oh, he begins to take you on a journey. And I want you to go on that journey tonight. Oh, he loves you. So tonight, every head bowed, you'd say, preacher, tonight, you're talking to me. I want you to just lift your hand, put it right back down. You're talking to me. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over this building. I want you to just tonight lay your hand on the person beside you and help me pray tonight. This is an intimate moment for these individuals. I don't want to bring, I never have intentions to bring embarrassment to anyone or anything. But I want you to be comfortable tonight in the house of the Lord and know this. That right where you are, God himself wants you to know he's calling you to follow him. And if you'll choose to follow, 
There's healing coming. There's deliverance coming. There's joy coming. There's peace coming. And there's rest coming. Because in him is no darkness at all. And when you choose to follow him, you're choosing to stay in his presence. And he'll lead you and guide you and direct you. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, as we as a church body just lay our hands on each other in faith believing, Lord, we're praying right now for the Holy Spirit to settle down upon every life, every family, every home. And Lord, for those that lifted their hands tonight, Lord, I pray especially for them that there would just be a sense of assurance tonight that it's okay to take their hands off and to allow you to put your hands on. Lord, I pray that there would be a comfort and a peace and a rest come and let them know that the plans that you have for them are far greater than anything they could imagine. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege to come to you But, Lord, we also thank you for the privilege that we have to follow you. So, Lord, today we hear your call. And, Lord, we're committing ourselves to the call and saying, Lord, you can count on us. Lord, we will follow you. Lord, with your help and the help of the Holy Spirit, we will follow you all the days of our life. And, Lord, I pray. I pray for increase and I pray for blessing upon these men and women tonight as they renew their commitment simply to follow you. Lord, I pray for a generation that has been coming to you but have not yet understood the importance of maybe following. Today, Lord, I pray. I pray against anything that would exalt itself against these individuals to to try to discourage them or distract them from following you. But Lord, I pray that this would be the start of a new season in their life where they just began to say, you know what, we're going to trust God and we are going to follow. Lord, give them wisdom, give them understanding, give them direction, give them guidance. Lord, and how they conduct themselves in their day-to-day lives. Let them not lean to their own understanding, but Lord, let them put their faith and trust in you and your word. Father, I pray that your word would come alive. And Lord, that your direction would be clear. And Lord, that their lives would begin to be a life that brings glory and honor to the kingdom. So today, Lord, If there's one that's dealing with the spirit of fear for the call that they are experiencing in their life, Lord, I speak against that. And Lord, I pray that there would just be a sense of assurance come in their spirit even now while we're praying and let them know it's going to be all right, that you've got a plan and you've already got provision. You've already went before them. And Lord, they don't need to be hesitant about trusting you But, Lord, I pray that with vigor and with boldness that they would follow after the things that you have birthed in their heart. And, Lord, I thank you for the harvest of souls that's going to be won because of their willingness to follow you. Lord, I thank you for the revival fires that will begin to burn in workplaces and businesses because of their commitment to follow you. 
I thank you for what you're doing in our community in this Whitewater Valley. But, Lord, I thank you for the intensity that's getting ready to be felt and experienced in this area because of men and women making the decision to follow you tonight. So, Lord, today I pray you'd lead us, you'd guide us, you'd direct us. Lord, I pray the remainder of this week would be a week where we would experience just the closeness of your spirit. Lord, we just pray words of wisdom, words of life over your people tonight. We'll give you the praise and the glory for all that's accomplished. And the church says, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you, may keep you, may shine brightly upon you, give you blessed peace tonight. We'll see you soon. Everybody, Pastor Ron coming to you again. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that the word was a blessing to you. And today, before we say goodbye, I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet put your faith and trust in the Lord, that this would be a time that you would do so. I'd also say to you, if you're going through a very difficult or trying season, know this, God is faithful. He loves you. We love you. And we just say to you today that He is still able to do exceedingly abundantly what we could ever ask or think. So I speak blessings over you and your family. Thank you for joining us today.